Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are in the middle of a series called Face to Face. We are all about encountering God. And all the, this whole series that we're going to be doing and discovering for the next several weeks is found in the verse in Exodus. Exodus thirty-three eleven says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now this idea, this concept is beautiful to me. This idea that we can talk to God, come into an encounter with God face to face as a friend. This calling on our life, that this is what we are striving for. And if I'm honest with you, with my own faith, say I've not always reached this goal. But this is where I'm, I'm striving to be. That I could come in contact with God and meet Him face to face. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to study different guys in the Bible, different people who've had these face to face amazing encounters with God. Paul writes in first, 2 Corinthians, this is the message version, so it's going to sound a little bit different. Uh, to you. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation, is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. And so the point of why we're talking about face to face is found in this verse. That our lives will become more beautiful, more brighter. That we, as we come face to face with him, that our face, that our lives will shine with the brightness of God. As we talked about last week, if you were here, Moses came face to face with God and then he, people could not stand talking to the guy because they would come talk to him and his face was so blinding. They needed like, you know, the ZZ Top uh, song came to life with him. His future was so bright that he had to wear shades, right? It, he had to put a veil in front of him because people were like, what are, you, what are you doing? It's like someone with really epically bad breath that just went to Marishka's, right? And so he's like, what are, you, what are you doing? Stay away from me. Because his face is so bright. And to think about this is the, the concept that as we become closer to God, as our, we become more face-to-face with him, that our lives get brighter and more Beautiful. That this is the movement in which our life should be taking. Encountering God is critical to growing in your faith. And this is not just a we encountered in past tense, but in present. Encountering Him over and over and over again. Coming into His presence. Removing that veil. Talking to Him as friend. This is a beautiful kind of idea. And it's something that we have to continually experience if we want our faith to grow and we want our faith to develop. It's also a difficult kind of idea. It's a hard thing to think about. I kind of, because if you haven't encountered God in this, this kind of way, then you can talk about it and you can study about it and you can read about it, 
But it's kind of one of those you had to be there kind of moments. Like I got, I've had the opportunity to go to Italy twice in my life. First time in college for a thousand bucks for 10 days. Hoorah. Thank you, Anderson University. Probably the best thing you gave me. All right. So for a thousand bucks, I got to go to Italy for 10 days. I was 19 years old, had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Where you want me to sleep? Okay, I'll go there. Oh uh, yeah, it did not matter. I was just taking it all in. The second time I got to go, I got to go with Kelly. We didn't have kids, so we could afford it, right? So we didn't have kids, so we were like, you know what we should do? We should go on this amazing trip. And so we went to Italy. Now Kelly and I are planners. We have plans on plans on plans on plans. We have plans if our plans don't go right, if our plans do go right. If we've got plans, if just crazy stuff happens. We still have plans, and we have plans and plans and plans. It's okay if our plans don't come to fruition because we have a plan for that as well. All right, we have plans. And so you can imagine, especially my wife, if you need, she should have been a, a travel agent if that was still a thing. Because she, you give her a task to go somewhere, she will find the cheapest, best way. Her in Disney World, oh man, they are like, Oh, match made in heaven right there. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I digress. She was planning everything. We were thinking about it all. She had never been there, right? And I was trying to describe, well, you really want to do this. Well, that doesn't fit into the plan and the travel schedule. Yeah, yeah, but we really want to go see this. I remember because I was like, oh, that's cool, as a 19-year-old boy, right? But as a 26-year-old man married, describing what I experienced as a 19-year-old boy was kind of difficult to her. I was like, yeah, it was, what was, so what was nice? How much should it cost? I went. It was there, right? You understand? You understand? What I, the English language failed me, right? But so we're, we're talking about it, and we're planning everything, and this is the hotel, and this is the train, and this is the time we're going to be on the train, and this is how much it's going to cost, and this is the gelato bar we're going to hit up, and this is the blah, 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 and everything is planned out and ordeal and just defined. And I can do the same for you today. I can be a travel agent for you today. I can talk about how beautiful it is when you, when you walk on, out of the subway and you, you come out of the subway stop and there's the Coliseum 20 feet away from you. And you just, and you want to fall down the stairs. Like, and then there's people rushing by you every day that see it every moment. And they're like, what a stupid American, get out of my way, Right. How rude the people in Venice are. I can describe that to you, but once you experience it, then you understand. I can describe to you how amazing it is to go to a 200-year-old gelato shop and to taste the ice cream and the, the bursts of flavor on your tongue and to feel like you just wiped butter on your lips and don't need chapstick for a month because of the cream that they use. And I can tell you about that, but until you taste it for yourself, you don't, you're like, eh, okay, it's good, whatever. I can go to Mariano's and get some gelato. Yeah, good luck with that. It's good, but it's not the same. Encountering God is critical to growing your faith. I can tell you about it all the time. You can read books all the time. But encountering God is critical to you growing in your faith. A couple of things I want to take from that is we need power, not just words. I can preach every week. I can teach can make you laugh. You can have a great time at church. But if it's not covered in the power of God, we are just wasting our time. We need power, not just words. 1 Corinthians 2. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is Paul writing, one of the smartest men in the Bible. He would have had all the doctorates if they gave doctorates at that time. He was brilliant. And even him 
talking about his own speeches, his own preparation. It's not wise. It's not brilliant. What was effective in it is what I came in Christ's power. We need the power of God, not just words. So what happens is when we, when we, our, our encounters with God are only based on different words or things, preachers we listen to in podcasts or which I do. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but when it's only in that, you have an issue. When they're just on what our sermons on Sunday morning, just our sermons on what we listen to throughout the week. I know Perry drives all over the state and listens to sermons all week long because he's just, that's what he does because he's driving all over the state. But if stuff just tingles our ears, it's not a heart connection. It's not encountering God. Second thing we need is we need an encounter, not just an explanation. Then they turned to a blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. We need an encounter, not just an explanation. I love this. This guy is blind and they're trying to besmirch Jesus. They're trying to tear him down. They're trying to say he did the wrong thing. And the blind man's going, wait, 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 wait. I don't know his theology. I don't know like what, what degree he has, but I was blind and now I can see. Which trumps you guys being cranky that he did this on the Sabbath, right? I was blind, and now I see. And, and as I read that, that story, as I read this miracle that Jesus performs, I, I kind of sometimes feel that's the way we deal with our faith and how we encounter, because we can't explain it. We're like, well, I and I know some of you have very analytical minds, and you want to know how exactly everything happens all the time. That doesn't always necessarily work. We have to encounter God. And that defies any explanation. As we talk to our friends about God, as we enter in their lives with our coworkers, this is the way in which we tell them about Jesus. This is simply the way you lead your friends and your family to Jesus. Especially in a postmodern world where your truth is my truth and, and not my truth, and I don't truth and everybody's truth, truth here, truth there, truth everywhere, truth, truth. Right? You, maybe you've, well, you can't, there's a lot of stuff on Facebook right now. There's a lot of stuff in different things. That can't be, well, don't put your stuff on me. I'm, you know, I'm not going to put my stuff on you and all these things. Okay. I got another way to come at you with that. Right? I once was blind and now I see. Because if I'm going to hear you, then now you got to hear my story. I once was blind, and now I see. I once was an addict, and now I'm not. I once was this, and now I'm this. And the pivotal point was an encounter with Jesus. I once was, and now I'm. I don't know about the theology stuff. This really works. You know, oh, Jared, I can't talk to anybody. I don't have the degrees you have, or I don't, I don't, I don't know, all these excuses. Wait, wait, wait. The blind man is the best evangelist in the history of mankind. I once was blind, and now I see. You can say the same. I once was this, and now I am this. We need presence, not just practice. We need presence, not just practice. 
stands a reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. This is why we sang the song, It's Your Breath in My Lungs. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did for Jesus, you are delivered from the dead life with his spirit living in you, and your body will be as alive as Christ. We need presence, not practice. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really good at practice. I'm great at practice. Why? Because I can control practice. Right? I was a, not a very good basketball player. I wasn't. The coaches kept on bringing me on uh, to the teams for two reasons. They saw how tall my dad is. If your dad's 6'6", six, six, maybe, maybe he can be my high school. Maybe my senior year he'll be tall enough to be a good center. Right? They kept on hoping. And I out-practiced anybody. I would work hard at practice. That's, I could control that. I can keep on doing it. I could practice. When it comes to the game, I had no presence. I don't know what to, where to pass it. I don't know what's going on here. I, do, I, I would just lock up in the game. But practice, man, I'd practice harder than anybody else. I'd run longer. I'd do more up and downs of, the, <clears throat> of Memorial Gym. <laughs> more than anybody. But came to a game, I had no presence. We need presence, not just practice. This is, uh, let me keep on going with an athletic metaphor there. If you were a runner, or if you ever, not even just a runner, if you were a swimmer, if you're a runner, if whoever had morning practice, anybody ever had morning practice? Oh, right? You don't remember any of your morning practices because what do you do? You get up, the alarm goes off, you go to practice, go to class, second period shows up. Huh, I wonder what I just did for the last four hours. Right? Your body went into, I just, I'm just doing it. I'm just going through the motions. I'm going to get through. I, I don't know anything about this. And it's this idea of I'm just going through the motions. I'm just getting through it. And it's, we get used to this practice. I can control this practice. And sometimes our faith gets the same exact way. We just kind of go through the motions. We, we get up on Sunday morning. We go to church. We, we, we sing the songs. We stand up, do the thing. Okay, pastor, it's getting close to 11. Once you wrap this up, I got to go. Portillo's is calling my name. And we're done. What was church about? Oh. What'd you, what'd you, what, how was worship this morning? Oh. What songs you sing? Oh. Did you take communion? Church was good. Right? We need presence, not just practice. And that's the conversations we have in the pastor's family. So I know you all do it too. Right? We need presence, not just practice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe this will put in even more perspective for you. Thanks to Kevin... My child now is addicted to Pokemon cards. It started out innocent enough. We uh, started some Pokemon Go. I thought it'd be a fun way for Daddy to get some exercise because Lord knows he needs it. And we'd walk around uh, the neighborhood and look for some little critters on our phone and it'd be good to go. And that was controllable. It was on my phone only. We could only play, you know, whatever. It birthed something in my son. Right? And so... Kevin thought it'd be a brilliant idea to bring a, a deck over to the house and start this addiction fully. He's out in the lobby laughing at me right now. Um, and so this, this addiction was birthed 
in the middle of August. Well, there's something that happens at the end of August. It's my kid's birthday. And so when your son only talks about Pokemon cards for 23 and a half hours of a day, another half he might sleep and dreams about Pokemon cards the rest of the time, everyone and their brother buys them what? Pokemon cards. So what started out as a little father-son time is now turned into this obsession. And as I was opening Pokemon cards for him that were so kindly gifted to him by people who love him and care for him, apparently not for their parents, uh, his parents, was we opened the pack, but then I looked at my son. And this, as I was working through this message, I was working through these ideas, this hit me. When my son opens a pack of Pokemon cards, it is with this incredible anticipation. What could it be? It is Christmas morning every time those pack of cards is open. It's, oh my goodness. Oh my, he takes one card out. This is my third best of the fourth. I don't even, he's telling me everything it does. I, you can't even read that good. How do you know this stuff? He's got it. Next card. This is my best. Oh my goodness. This is my every, every single card is this beautiful adventure. And it's an amazing thing. And I thought about it. What's going to happen in a couple months when he gets a pack? You guys have been there. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it, got it. Ooh, okay. Then he's going to get to the, mm, I don't need any of them. Right? Because some of you right now are thinking, oh, we could give Bowen our old Pokemon cards because none of those are any good. I don't need them. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. All right? So... But that's what's going to happen. Right? I remember I did the same thing with baseball cards. When I first started baseball, I would be watching baseball on TV, and I would get my cards out, and I'd sort them, and I'd have the person who's at bat out, up, and I'm looking at the things, and I'm like, oh, oh, wow. And then fast forward a couple years, I'm like, if it's not King Griffey Jr. Uh, rookie card, I don't care, right? If it's not worth any money, I don't care. And that's just where we get to with that. If I transpose that to church life, when we have an encounter with God, when we have an experience with God, it blows our mind. I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to read this in the scripture. I can't wait to sing this song. I can't wait. <gasps> Do you know how I encountered God this day? In this moment, in this time? And then we get kind of doing it. We start practicing it. Oh, I like that song. Oh, okay. That's my favorite verse. We'll, we'll, we'll tap into that one. And that's condemning myself. That's, that's looking straight in the mirror. But I know you guys probably deal with the same struggle. We need presence, not just practice. Last week, we talked about a bunch of guys who met God face to face. This week, I want to transition into one of the guys who got to do it very first, Jacob. And how Jacob does it kind of sets a template for how and why we need to seek this presence of God. We need to seek this close encounter with God as we come face to face with him. Because the object is what? Not just to be the best, uh, to build up practices that we can build, to be the best Christian we possibly can be or the best person we can possibly be. But the object is to become, shine brighter and become more beautiful. As the veil is taken away, as it's opened up and we get to come face to face with God. It's not 
some rule and regulation type stuff. It is, the veil is open, so our lives are changed forever. That we get to have a closer relationship with him. That our lives start to mirror that. That we shine brighter and more beautifully. Genesis 32. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name is no longer Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob was called uh, called the place Penel, saying, It's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob, in this moment, he's got all kinds of stuff in his past. He's been a liar and a cheat. He's actually really, really scared that his brother's going to kill him. He's headed home because he cheated his brother out of uh, his whole inheritance. And so he's headed home thinking his, his twin brother is probably going to try to find him and kill him. Esau's a man's man, like he would, he's just a big burly hunter dude. And Jacob is, you know, he's, he's not that. He's the mama's boy. He's, he's kind of got the sibling, uh, just they are two sides of a coin in the way in which they, they operate. And so he's scared of his brother because his brother probably beat him up a lot as a child for being the favorite and being the mama's boy. But this is just what's going on. And he kind of deserves to be beat up a little bit. If you read Genesis, he deserves it. He stole everything from his brother. And so as he's coming back and entering into this, this world, he is expecting this wrath to come upon him. And so he's got all this angst and all this, this stress going on. And at that moment, right before he meets his brother, he wrestles with God. I believe this happened, but I also believe that's a pretty beautiful metaphor for how we deal with big stressors in our life. What's our reaction to these stressors? What's our reaction to these things that cause anxiety? Cause anxiety? Do we hold on? Do we grab a hold of? Do we wrestle with God or do we let go? Because Jacob meets a time in his life where he is desperate enough to encounter God. He is desperate enough just to hold on. And because of his desperation, because of his basically death grip onto God, God gives him a new strength. I think God's going, because of course he's God, so he can be like, go away, Jacob. Let go of me, Jacob. There's got to be part of him. It's kind of like wrestling with your kid, right? You're really proud. Like, oh, that almost actually hurt. Like, oh, you're getting strong there, Bo. Um, and the next time, you just, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> dads are like, that's, that's actually accurate, Jared. Um, but you're, you're wrestling, and you go, oh, man, he's got, he's got a hold of me. He's grabbing a hold of me. Okay, let's let go. No? Okay. Because God at any time can, of course, throw Jacob away. But he's, he's wrestling. He's, he's face-to-face with him. And God, I think, continues through the night. He's like, okay, keep on. If you're going to keep on holding on, we're going to keep on doing this. We're going to keep on doing this. We're going to keep on doing this. And he wrestles with him. God gives us a new strength when we encounter him. In Isaiah, it says this, He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Jacob finds new strength in his wrestling with God. I want to center on one of these verses real quick. They will soar on the wings like eagles. And we have a bald eagle at the lake over in Indiana. It's really beautiful to see. But he's a bully, right? He, he's got control of the lake. He just, boom. man, he's probably 100 yards up in the air. He's way up there. He just, boom. you don't see him flap. He flaps when he gets up, and he flaps twice to land in his nest. That's about it. He just chills all day long. He doesn't struggle. He just juxtapose that against a little hummingbird that we feed. We got hummingbird feeders everywhere. <laughs> Right? This is why we don't videotape our services. Right? He's going a million miles a minute. And he's flying from food to food, 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 food. I don't want any of this food, 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 food. And he's... Right? And then sometimes if you have a big nose, it's... you're like, go away. Right? And they, will, they will buzz you and they'll fly next to you. Get mad at you for other things, but that's okay. But they're working so hard and there's difference. An eagle, the king, I mean, he is the king. He runs that lake. He's just watching. Another bird gets a fish, working real hard for his meal. The eagle, meow, take it away from the other fish or other, other, other bird. They'll be, they'll be flapping, oh, crud, oh, crud. And he's, meow, and they'll drop it. He will dive down, catch it in midair, and just like, oh, take a bite and then drop it. Like, I, I'm big enough, I can do that. He's a jerk, but that's okay. The point I want you to think about is he can soar on the wind like an eagle. He just catches the wind, just catches the updrafts, just hovers. He's given control to another source. See, the hummingbird, it takes control. It's, I, I, I've got to do this. I'm going to flap as hard as I can. I'm going to go get the food. I'm going to go do my own thing. And, here, and the eagle just soars. Now, if I look at my own life, I can resemble the hummingbird a lot. I'm just flapping and flapping and flapping and flapping and making things happen. But the eagle just soars. It's given control to a one thing that's bigger and badder than it is, the wind. Those hummingbirds will work and work and work and work and work, and all they do is work for today, work for today, work for the next 90 seconds because they're burning through the metabolism so fast. And the eagle just waits for its opportunity. I think that really comes through the idea of control. I'm going to say a dirty word, right? You got to let go of control. Control what you can control and let the rest go. Control what you can control and let the rest go. Look, I'm a control freak. I like I told you about my plans. I like to have control of things. I like to know exactly what's going to happen. Let me be honest. I want to be like an eagle, not like a hummingbird. Being a hummingbird is exhausting. And maybe you're at that place in your life and you know what I'm talking about. But you find the strength to be like an eagle when you let go of the issues. Let go of the stuff. Let go of the burdens. Let go of your past. Instead of struggling and working through it, 
letting go and let the wind carry you. There's a reason the Holy Spirit is called the wind. The Holy Spirit guides you and directs you in these amazing love encounters with God. Second thing that Jacob experiences in his face-to-face encounter with God is this. He experiences a new identity. A new identity. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do in you. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. He gives Jacob a new identity. Jacob is a liar. Jacob is a cheat. Jacob is a thief. And he gives him a new name, creates a new whole identity for him, which in Israel says, I have struggled with God and I have prevailed. Think about that. That is a total shift. I once was this and now I am this. The face-to-face encounter with God gives him a new identity. Some of you today need to step into this new identity. We, we keep on maybe getting close to God. We, we try this idea, but we don't throw away our old self. We keep on bringing our pasts and our baggage with us. The old is gone, and the new has come. Some of us struggle mightily with this. We have things and issues in our past that we just can't let go. God wants to give you a new identity. When you meet with God face to face, you become brighter and more beautiful. The past is washed away and the new has come. If you're struggling with this, let's pray these two things. Pray one, God, I give up. God, I give up. I I can't control these things. I'm tired of flittering around like a hummingbird. God, I give up. And two, God, change me. Lord, change me. And finally, in the face-to-face encounter with God, we get a new joy. Jacob says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. This is the encounter you need. God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. This is blessing is basically the, the joy bringer. I'm redirecting your path. I'm taking you from where you were and setting you on a new direction. A new joy. Psalm 1611 says this, You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The joy comes from the presence of of God. Joy is not, I'm happy this moment, I'm sad this. Joy is a default position where I, I believe we kind of have, we default to cranky, right? There's lots of us that default to cranky. I wake up, I'm cranky. But joy is, can be also be your default position. As followers of Christ, our default position should be joy. We get eternal life with him. We have been forgiven. We get a new identity in Christ. Our default position should be, look at all the beautifulness that is around us. That it's his breath in my lungs that I get to live today. That I get to become brighter and more beautiful today. So if you're struggling with with crankiness, and you can take that however you you want, but if you're, you're struggling with where you're at with crankiness, But this, I need an encounter with God so I can experience new joy day in and day out. 
that I need to switch my default position. I want to go back just a little bit longer for that new identity. There's a verse in there that says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. There's a couple of things that that means that's just so beautiful. I can't let us go today without talking about it. That these, these rivers in the dry wasteland, what happens is uh, over years, because there are probably years of, of drought or only rains one month out of the year where they're talking about, is trash starts to build up in these valleys. That junk starts to f- fill up in these valleys. And then when, when the rains came, when the, when the rainy season happens, these, these river valleys are engorged with a huge amount of water coming, water coming out of the mountains, and it washes the trash away. And so what Isaiah is saying is, listen, 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 listen. You've been building up stuff. You've been building up junk. You've been building up a past and a history. And what I want to do for you, and what I want to do in your life, is come and wash all of that away and create a new and fertile and beautiful land. Create a new and beautiful and fertile heart. Create a new and beautiful and fertile mind. That's what God's promise is for this. When we come into encounter with him, that I want to create you anew and fresh and beautiful. That I want to come and remove this veil that's between me and you. That I want to turn and come in, in contact with God. So that my life can be more beautiful. That it can be brighter. And I can light up those around me. If you've met Christ, if you're saved and you're cranky, you need an attitude adjustment. As we come into these encounters with God, we have to be desperate for these encounters. And it's one of those things, as we talked about Italy, I can't take you to Italy. It's one of those things you've got to do for yourself. I can tell you all about these encounters, but over the next several weeks, we want to just set the stage, plow the field, if you will, control what we can control and let the rest be to God. But I want to set the stage for you to have your own personal love encounter, veil-ripping-back, face-to-face conversation with God. So we'll do our best with our worship. We'll do our best here on Sunday morning. And uh, if you need to get on a Bible reading plan or get on anything else, get in contact. Position yourself for a, for a face-to-face interaction with God. Pray with me. God, I want to pursue you. I want to experience you. I want to encounter you. I'm tired of doing this myself. Will you be my strength? Will you be my identity? Will you be my joy? Jesus, forgive me of my times in which I try to control you. Forgive me of times when I try to control my own destiny. God, that you would lift me up. That you would make me new. She would set me free. Will you forgive me of my guilt, my shame? Make me a new person. Wash me clean. Spring up new rivers inside me. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you that you are a God who wants to encounter us. That you are a God that's not far off, but a God that longs for our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
This idea of encountering God can reshape and reform the rest of your life. It can reshape and reform your marriage. It can reshape and reform the way in which you do your work on a daily basis. It can reshape and reform your parenting. So not to put, this is one of those most important things that we possibly can do. Instead of just coming to church and doing, going through the motions, striving to encounter God on a daily basis. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.